Y'all ready to hear the Word of God? Y'all with me? All right. I love it. If, uh, if you need to stand up and turn around and get some feeling back in your legs, please do. Um, you're not going to bother me a bit. But, um, you know, as we add to uh, these rocks here, what we are building is a firm foundation. And, you know, as it says in 1 Peter 2, 5, you yourselves as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We need to understand that God desires and wants to meet our needs. He wants to meet our needs. I want to read out of uh, Matthew chapter 6, and he walked all over my sermon. Note to self, don't let that happen again. (laughs) I love you, brother. Matthew 6, 25 says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field. They grow. They do not toil. They do not spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all of his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need all these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Amen. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, there's an old saying that you're never too old to learn. And there's a, there's a lesson that we need to learn out of, out of Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. That means teach us to, to number our days and recognize how few they are. And help us to spend them as we should. I mean, someone has observed that life is kind of like a dollar bill. You know, you can spend it any way you want to, but you can only spend it once. And there's really only two ways you could spend it. You can either waste it or you can invest it. The same thing is true with our lives. Now, whether you're young or old, six or 60, I'm not saying 60 is old. Healthy, wealthy, puny, or poor, you can make the rest of your life the best of your life. You can make the rest of your life the best of your life. But listen, if your priorities are not in order, if your priorities are not in order, your life will not be in order. If your priorities are not right, your life won't be right. You don't have to pray about what your number one priority is. 
You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to discuss it. You don't even have to pray about what your number one priority should be. All you have to do is do it. Because Jesus has already said, He told us that our first priority ought to be to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Seek first His kingdom. I want to pull the... the truck over and park there for just a moment, okay? In order to seek the kingdom, you must first seek the king. Because if there is a kingdom, then there is a king for that kingdom. And the first priority of your life is to seek the king of the kingdom. To spend time with the master. To be able to to know that King Jesus is on his throne in eternity and in your life. See, the Lord is not somebody that we can passively accept. He is somebody that we actively seek. See, at this very moment, I can know something about your relationship to God. And how your relationship to God looks like. and Because... You have as much of God as you want. If you want God to fill your life, then you're letting him in and and he's filling your heart. He's filling your life. If you want to to keep him at, at arm's length, then that's exactly where God is in your life. You see, Jesus, he wants the first moments of your day. Every day. Jesus, he wants the first day of your week. Every week. Jesus wants the first of your paycheck. Every paycheck. Because you see, he wants first place in your life. He wants to be your number one. He wants to be sitting on the throne in your heart. See, he's not interested. King Jesus is not interested in being runner-up in your beauty contest. King Jesus is not interested in being the vice president of your corporation. He's not interested in being second in command in your army. (laughs) He wants to be the king on the throne of your heart. Not just cohabitating with you in your duplex. He wants to be on the, on the throne of your heart. See, I heard about a woman who was deathly sick. And her neighbor came to visit her and, and he, he asked her the question if she wanted to live or die. And she said, I just want whatever God wants. And he said, well, what if God were to defer that question to you? She said, if God were... To refer the, ba- the matter back to me, then I would just refer the matter back to him. She had her priorities in the right spot. See, it would be better to die in the will of God than to live outside the will of God. We need to understand that because 
most of the time we're running around like little heathens. Saying that we believe Christ and that our trust is in God. But most of the time we don't act like it. Folks, you can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. See, God is faithful to provide for our physical and material needs. Jesus said that we should completely trust God, that that whatever we ask of him, he he will take care of. But you see, God, I want to please God. I want to please God with my entire being. With everything that I am, with, with, with all that I have, that all that he has put into my hands, I want to be faithful to God in that. Amen. I want to please God. But you see, God is not pleased with our irresponsibility. Amen. I mean, the promise that God would meet our needs is not justification for us to fail to plan or to put in less effort. Oh, I'll just trust God. I'll just let him do all of that. See, the way it works is this, is you work as hard as you can and you pray as hard as you can and somewhere in the middle, God meets you. But you have to put in effort. You have to ask, you have to talk to him, you have to pray, but you also have to put feet to those prayers and you have to work. See, being a disciple of Jesus Christ requires disciplined and diligent work at work, at home, at school, and in everything that we do. Being a disciple of Christ means that we have to to be disciplined and diligent at work. I mean, think about this. You. You. You represent the excellency of your king. Each one of us represents King Jesus. I think this is huge. Because we have to put forth the best that we can in everything that we do. We don't have an option to be lazy because the world outside is watching us. And what you do reflects who your king is. This is huge. This is very important. See, this text tells me. I want to tell you what I I believe it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we're to make no preparation for tomorrow's needs. When he says, so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Think about this. If you're a farmer, if you're a farmer and the thought about the the empty silos, you know, the the thought about tomorrow's empty silos should cause you to sow the corn long in advance before you need it. You should sow that corn early. See, everything worth doing is worth All of our forethought, our planning, our practice, our preparation. Jesus said it this way. He said, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? The point of Matthew 6, 34 is not don't make 
preparations. He would say, make preparations, just make wise preparations. The point is, don't bring troubles and the uncertainties of tomorrow into today because his mercies are for today, not for storing up for tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But the reality is this, is that many times you do know what kind of pressures are coming tomorrow. You know what's coming tomorrow. And listen, part of your job may be to make preparations for that. You know, we, we can see what's coming. And so we know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be between a rock and a hard place tomorrow. So I'm going to get ready for this today. And so you begin to prepare. Those preparations are part of today's sufficient trouble. But how those preparations will turn out tomorrow and whether you feel strong enough today to do your part tomorrow, that's borrowing trouble from tomorrow. And God does not give mercies today for bearing tomorrow's burdens. Let me apply this to a real situation. For example, those of us on staff here at Memorial... We must always plan and design worship for future services. It's like the farmer. We know that there's going to be a harvest of corporate worship next Sunday. So we plan now, early in the week, there's got to be some plowing and some planting and some watering, knowing that Sunday is coming. That's okay. Jesus wants us to do that. But when the questions start to arise from the flesh, well, how's it going to go on Sunday? Will people be there? Will God meet us? Will it be real? Will it be deep? Will it be earnest? Will it be life-changing? Will it be soul-winning? Will it be Christ-exalting? Will people be disappointed? See, with these questions, we cross the line from faithful preparation into unfaithful anxiety. And we cross over from dealing with today's sufficient burden, preparation, into tomorrow's troubles. How's it going to be received? And that is spiritually very dangerous because today's mercies are given for today's burdens, not tomorrow's. See, God's not pleased with our irresponsibility. God's also not pleased with worry because worry keeps us from serving God. We begin to worry about things and worry eliminates our gratitude to God. Our thanksgiving. Worry accomplishes nothing. Worry indicates a lack of faith in God that we say we trust. And worry destroys Our enjoyment of each day. Not only our enjoyment of each day, but also our witness as a believer. I heard about a man that was raising chickens. Among them was a rooster whose occasional crowing greatly annoyed his neighbor. And one morning the the man got up, he was disgruntled, and he called the farmer and he complained. He said, that miserable bird of yours keeps me up all night. Farmer said, 
I don't understand. He hardly ever crows. And usually he only crows two or three times. That isn't my problem, said the neighbor. It's not how often he crows that irritates me. What keeps me awake is not knowing when he might crow. That's funny. But many of us are like that man. We worry about the difficulties that arise, the distressing circumstances that come up tomorrow. Rather than living a day at a time and rejoicing in the day that the Lord has given us and the sufficiency that he has given us of the present, we become anxious by borrowing trouble from the future. See, worry says to God, we don't trust you. I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to carry it. It says we don't believe that he will really take care of us because worry slanders every promise in God's word. I'm not saying we don't make preparations, but we don't become anxious over what's going to happen. The truth is, is that our God is faithful. Amen. And he provides for his own. I mean, God can do anything. There is nothing that is impossible for God to do. Amen. He can miraculously supply every need that we have. And our needs must not be confused. This is a big one. With our wants. He promises nothing about our wants. See, I'm convinced there's four lessons that parents ought to teach their children early. And I'm about done here. And it would be good for even some of us as adults to relearn. The first one is this. You don't need everything you want. Pretty simple. You don't need everything you want. I mean, I wish I had all the money back that I spent on things that I wanted that I really didn't need. We've all got those regrets. Things that we spent money on. Things that we did that, that, that we didn't need. It was just something that we wanted to do. You don't need everything that you want. The second lesson is you don't want everything you need. You know, when I was a kid, I never wanted one of the whippings that I got. But I'm here to tell you this morning that I needed every one that I got. You don't always want what you need. The third lesson is God doesn't give us everything we want. And I, for one, for one, am blessed that God doesn't give me everything that I want. I hear people sometimes saying things like, I just want what I deserve. Scary statement, because I don't want what I deserve. And I'm thankful for the blood of Christ that I'm not going to get what I deserve. But that I'm going to get his mercy. See, God does not give us everything that we want. The last lesson is this. God always gives us what we need. I heard about two stores that were across the street from each other. Very competitive. Their managers were very, very competitive with each other, always trying to get ahead. And the manager of one store came out one day and he put this sign up above his store. And, and um, <laughs> he said, if, the sign said, if you want it, we've got it. 
Well, the guy across the street, he went out and he saw that sign and he thought about it for a little bit and he went in his, his store and he came out with another sign. It says, if we don't have it, you don't need it. <laughs> and right now, if you don't have it, it's because God knows where you're at in your life and you don't need it. Whatever it is. Maybe he's trying to help us to mature. To grow up. Not just in age, but in maturity. Maybe he can't give you what he wants you to have because you couldn't handle it. Or because you would waste it. You would squander it. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe he doesn't want you to have a relationship right now because he's working on your life. He's, he's shaping and molding you into the vessel so that on that day you will be ready for what he wants to give you, for what you truly need. You see, the Lord, what he's trying to teach us here is that it's our job to serve God and it's his job to supply the need. A lot of people have that backwards. They think it's their job to supply and God's job is to serve them. See, God desires every believer to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And when we do, God responds and he meets our needs. But see, Jesus said that we have to consistently ask God for help in order to obey his commands. We can't do it on our own. You cannot make it all alone. And the sooner you realize that, the better off your life will be and the better off the lives of the people around you will be. You cannot make it alone. Just like it's impossible for us to save ourselves. We needed a Savior. We needed Jesus to come and save us. You can't help yourself up out of the slimy pit. You need Jesus. You cannot make it alone. But God also wants to help us. He's there. He wants to help. 